0: Yes, they went all Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on social media. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Stationed with Stories. That's it. All right, you are listening to Stationed with Stories. I'm your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. And before we get started, let me just say that... These are all my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, and they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the U.S. Armed Forces in any way. Now that we got that out of the way, hi, peeps. So excited, y'all. I just came off a vacation, y'all, and I am so thankful. It was such a good trip, y'all. I went to Spain. I was also in Germany and I went to Hungary and I did all those things. It was basically off of a wedding of one of my good friends. She got married in Barcelona and I may have mentioned here on the podcast, but I actually used to live in Spain. So um, and I'm getting somewhere with this because y'all know I usually start off with my my book and what we're reviewing. So it's tied. It's related. I went to Spain. We of course, had a great time in Barcelona for the wedding, but I stopped off in Madrid at first because that's where I used to live and or the Madrid area, I should say. And one of the things I did when I lived in Spain some years ago, I was always just trying to advance myself in any way possible and just also be rooted in the culture. And so I read books, I tried to read different things from Spanish authors. And back then, before I left, I started this book that I'm going to review and I started it in Spanish and it was just intriguing. And I was like, wow, I have not read a book that really brings me into the storyline like this. I was so intrigued, but yeah, I never did finish it. And I, I think I borrowed a book from the library the local library there. And so I had to return it. I never did finish it. And then I also forgot who wrote the book by the time I got back to the US. And so I was like, what was the name of that book? Who wrote the book? Y'all couldn't remember anything. I I knew the last name started with a Z. And fast forward, y'all, I am reviewing for you Marina by Carlos Ruiz Zafon. And I actually, before the trip, remembered. Okay. It starts with a Z. It's a Spanish author. Let me figure it out. I found the book. I tried so hard to find the book in Spanish, y'all. And I just could not. And and not that it doesn't exist in Spanish. Obviously it does. And obviously I could have just bought the book, but y'all know how I like the library. <laughs> so I was looking through my libraries and my library apps. None of them had the Spanish version available. So I listened to the book in English, and I would say that when I read it some years ago, I read maybe the first couple of chapters, maybe up to even page 100, I can't remember, in Spanish, and and that's what I love. I loved it, and I wanted to finish it in Spanish. I didn't, but I still finished the book, and let me just give you my words. Luring, horrifying, melancholic, Okay. So Marina by Carlos Ruiz Safon, it was first published in 1999. So this is a book that has been around a while. I think it was republished by another publishing house in 2017. So there's that. But it was first published in 1999. It is a young adult fiction. And it is, I read this later, it was a gothic mystery. And y'all, I really should... Investigate what I'm reading before I read it, <laughs> y'all. Because when I first read it in Spanish, I was like, "This is this is very luring." That's my first word. It it lures me in. It lured me in in Spanish. It lured me in again in English, and I was just like, "What is happening here?" You have this young protagonist, high school student, boarding school student in Barcelona, and something's happening. You can tell. I remember thinking, "What is going on?" Something creepy right? By the time I finished the the Spanish version before I went back to the US, I was like, okay, this is kind of creepy, but something is luring me in. Now I'm listening to it again years later in English. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting to the point. This is a point that just really just sucked me in. It was very luring, right? Just this mysterious thing. And I understand why they call it a mystery, a Gothic mystery, y'all, because it's mysterious. But the luring part Y'all, I didn't know it was about to lure me into what I would call horror. I was like, wait, is this is is this a horror book? Did I did I miss that? Y'all, <laughs> I had to laugh at myself because there were so many clues and cues to it being a bit of horror, but I missed that part. I was just like, I was lured in. My second word is horrifying. I was lured in. And to the point where I was like, wait, this is horrifying. This is actually horrifying what's happening. And just really basic, there's the protagonist, Oscar, boarding school student. He goes exploring and he meets this young woman, this young girl, another girl around his age who lives in a house that looks like it is abandoned. And I know y'all listen to me right now, like, come on now, Kalisha, house, abandoned Boy adventures, boarding school, all of that says horror. <laughs> yeah, I missed it. I missed all of it. But anyway, uh the story, it takes quite a turn when they find this woman who goes to this graveyard and she's there like clockwork. I can't remember how often she goes, but they follow her, they lose her trail, but they find something else that is more horrifying than her highly veiled figure going to the cemetery and it takes off from there. So anyway, I'll say that horrifying in a way though, cause I don't do horror. Let me tell you, I do not do horror, but it was so luring. It pulled me in and I was just like, this is creepy and crazy, but the story is told so well and so vividly that I just can't put it down. I just got to figure out what happens and what happened. So so there's that. The story behind the this greenhouse that they find on accident takes them down a crazy road in some really, like they say, gothic mystery, some gothic mysterious stuff, y'all. But the last word I have is melancholic because you have the horrifying story. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it gets real creepy and real horrifying. If you like horror, you're going to be just fine. If you're not into horror, like I am not into horror, you may still be interested in it because one, once again, it's well-written. And it's, there's this luring quality to it. Uh, and I think that's because of the melancholic relationship between this young boy and this young girl. And there's a father involved, the father of the little girl and you don't find out to the very end what's really um happening between them and between i guess all three of them the boy the girl and the father but it is it's just melancholic there's a there's a quality to the prose a quality to the boy's life there's a sadness there there is want and desire there there are things that are voiced and not voiced and you just you just feel that melancholic energy to the to the book that just makes you say, "Ah, yeah, you know, you stick around because of the relationship between these kids and this coming of age story. And one of the things that they repeat in the book is that you only remember the things that never really happened. And that refrain is repeated a few times. And I I really took to that. You only remember the things that never really happened. And in a way, I imagine that the author wants us to think about the things that we so-called remember in life. And obviously, like, there's some wild stuff. It's it's mysterious. It's gothic mystery. It's it's a bit horror. (laughs) And a lot of these themes in the book are just, you know, there's a fantastical element to it. So there's that. But at the same time, there are things that I started to think about in terms of memory and how the way that one person remembers things as maybe not the way that it actually happened, but that's what they remember about their childhood or about some particular relationship that they had or whatever. So it just got me in this existential thinking. In any case, I'm so glad that I revisited this book. And once again, that is Marina by Carlos Ruiz Zafon, was published originally in 1999. Check it out if you so choose. All right, y'all. So the topic of the day, y'all. So I mentioned before, I was on this multi-week trip. I was just traipsing through. Europe had a fantastic time Reuniting with old friends and just having a great time there. I also traveled with my mother in love, who was my mother in law. I call her my mama in love, actually. And we were just going around Germany and Hungary. We had a fantastic time. And I was getting toward the end of my trip, you know, and I'm catching up with people every once in a while during the trip, but I'm, I'm pretty focused on what's happening in front of me. And I always am like that. I am focused on whatever's in front of me. So, anyway, I wake up and I'm in Wiesbaden, Germany. I wake up and I'm like, what are all these messages happening on my phone? I have have lots of messages, right? On my phone, I'm waking up. And you remember last week, if you listened to the podcast last week, y'all remember I was talking about drama Mm -hmm. on social media. Y'all know I was talking about that. Now there's drama (laughs) where we are having little issues with one another as male spouses on social media, but then there's the other side of it. Okay. And so the other side of it is what I woke up to on that particular morning. I was like, what are the issues of the day? You know, what are the issues of the day going on? And I get three different message chains about what I'm going to just call bike gate. Mm -hmm. Bicycle gate. That's what happened. On my base, at that, y'all, I have a bicycle, long story short, and it is in, you know, properly registered on base because you have to register the bike on base. That's a whole different conversation. And it has my little helmet attached to it, it's locked up, all this, right? I got the bicycle. It was very dramatic how I ended up getting the bicycle. But anyway, I got my people in Japan messaging me, like, listen, do you know what happened? Have you heard what happened? I'm like, no, I was, what's, and they're asking me about my bike. And I'm like, well, what, ha- my bike, well, you know, it's silver and it gives you a know, Japanese style and it has a rack and blah, blah, blah. Y'all, apparently, some known or unknown entity just went around. Trashing bicycles just randomly without warning. Yes, I know what you're thinking. What you what you mean without warning? Uh, without warning. And so our page in my particular building was on fire. Okay, and I missed all of it sleeping, and I woke up to a firestorm of Kalisha. Where is your bike? Is it locked? what does it look like? And I appreciate my peeps. Thank y'all. I appreciate y'all for asking me about my bike. Y'all know how much I care about getting around on my bicycle. So anyway, it it was, it was just crazy. I had to zoom in on photographs of toss out bicycles, y'all. I'm trying to describe what mine looks like. And my girl, she, she sent me a picture. She said, it's safe and sound. Thanks, girl. Another uh, sister, she was like, okay, I know they're trying to identify your bicycle. And she was telling me about it. Another one of my Bible studies sisters, she was like, okay, Kalisha, I looked at it and it looks like it's there. It doesn't look like yours. It's in the trash with these tons of other bicycles. Y'all was just ridiculous. And the short story of it is that after all of that drama that played out in real life that people were narrating online, what ended up happening is that they collected themselves in my building and wrote some letters and some reports and filed some complaints. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. that y- y'all better go. Y'all better do what you need to do to tell people what they need to be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. And it got me to thinking, y'all, it got me to thinking, It reminded me that collectivism and just the energy online when I reviewed the posts, it got me to thinking about my childhood television programs. And so so what do I mean? What what do I mean by that? It, It got me to thinking about neighborhoods and neighbors. And you know, you know, as soon as you say neighbors and neighborhood and think about childhood programs, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Yes, they went all Mr. Rogers neighborhood on social media. Yes, they did. They collected. Are you my neighbor? Oh yes, you are my neighbor. Let me just help my neighbor. Let me talk to my neighbor, find out what's happened. That's what happened, y'all. It just, check it in on your neighbors. It was like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood came to the Facebook page of my neighborhood. Yes, that's what happened. And then it, it also reminded me a Power Rangers now you're probably thinking you know you can probably date you know how old I am at this point Power Rangers, yes. It was like, you know how Power Rangers happened where everybody joined forces and you had to defeat the bad guys, but you had to like power up. You like came together and you're like pink and then yellow and red. And you know, you all, and then like everybody's doing the acrobatics trying to get, yeah, yeah, we about to get them. We about to get it. And they all like appeared in the same place and they faced the bad guy and they're like, all right, pow, pow, pow. That's what happened. on social media last week. And then also, it reminded me of Barney. Mm Mm-hmm. You remember Barney? Yes. You remember how Barney, they would just come together and whoever had an issue, whichever child had a problem, they would come around and just check in on them and just have some empathy towards whatever the issue was. And they had some really kind things to say. That's what happened on social media They gather around to show empathy for that bad thing. I mean, it was just remarkable, right? One week I'm talking about the drama on social media between male spouses. And the next week, y'all got to talk about how people are coming together about drama. Now there's still some drama, right? But they're coming together to defeat this drama. And it, it just was really, you know, 90s children's programming esque to me. Uh, you know, it, it got me to thinking, y'all. I was I was thinking about, you know how Barney I was talking about Barney and how everybody came together. And you know how Barney, you know Barney's song, I Love You, You. You you know the song. You don't really want me to sing it. Um but it got me to thinking about our own version of the Barney song. As Mill sponsors, the way the way that thing went down, y'all, I was like, they weren't singing I love you to one another on the social media page no they were they were singing i got you so i just came on my own so i said i got you you got me they better not mess with the mill spouse team because we gonna call them out and get our voices heard we're tough as nails now spread that word hey remixing you Okay. Yeah. 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 can tell I'm having a lot of fun over here, having a lot of fun, but you like my remix, right? Cause that's what, that was what was happening. Yes. They got things together. So anyway, we'll see. I'm not sure exactly how it all worked out in terms of the complaints that were filed, but there was indeed bicycle gate and it indeed was drama, but what happened on social media, it was, it was lovely. The gathering, the 90s children's programming-esque nature of it was lovely to witness. All right, y'all. So moving on to the last portion of the day, I am actually going to share a piece that is not fiction. This is actually a piece, a short piece that is an excerpt. Of something that I wrote several years ago for a publication. I can't even really remember anymore, but it was kind of like a school publication. And I was describing an experience living in China. So here we go. It is called Dancing in the Streets. It wasn't what I came to do, they weren't who I came to see. Yet, my feet stopped moving. My breath was suspended. My eyes were wide. Even with the weight of a heavy bag hanging on my shoulders, I was wavering on the balls of my feet debating on whether to join the 30-plus Beijing residents three times my age as they danced to cha-cha music. Watching for a few more seconds, I took in the gray hair waving on top of their heads. And I was captivated by the flying arms and turning hips. Would I join? It was summer two thousand thirteen in Beijing, China, and I was wrapping up the Dragon Boat Festival weekend with a reunion with a good friend. Purple Bamboo Park was her suggestion, and I was happy to catch up over a stroll and an oar-propelled boat ride in a place I had yet to explore. After plenty of smiles, pictures, and honest U.S. to China life adjustment confessions, it was time to leave. That's when I saw them. I knew I would stand out like a blue jay in a robin's nest, but after a few seconds, my excitement overpowered the thought. Willing to join in, too, my friend and I positioned ourselves at the perimeter of the imaginary dance floor and became little girls giggling and smiling as we danced. Doing a small curtsy to end the song, I felt a tap on the shoulder. To my thrilled surprise, an elderly Chinese man with a white t-shirt, loose pants, and a welcoming smile was motioning for me to dance with him. I had been welcomed into the flock. And so we danced. He, with the agility of a fish in the sea, and I with the flattered charm of a butterfly fresh out of the cocoon. Six months earlier, I was still hoping for a chance to touch ground in China. Five months earlier, and even though my family marveled that I would be traveling alone to get there, I felt like my time to live as a world traveler had finally arrived. Just four days earlier, I was confirming my train ticket for the first in country travel that I had initiated on my own in China. Never had it occurred to me that I would come face to face with a part of myself in a park where I simply expected to meet a friend and marvel at purple bamboo. In that moment of twirling hips and spinning summer dress hemlines, I felt as capable of seeking and attracting joyful life experiences as I ever had. I am fully myself when I dance. I feel valued, creative, and inspired. Claiming my independence means making my own decisions. It means taking a few risks. Even when loved ones prod me on refraining from travel alone, independence means having a solo experience every once in a while too. More than this, independence is an emotion. It is feeling like you're away from everything familiar and in connection with everything intimately known at the same time. Surely in this moment, I understood what the mid-20th century sauntras meant because I too was dancing in the streets. All right, y'all, that is it for this episode. I hope y'all had fun with me. I had a lot of fun, as you can probably tell, with this episode. And I always have fun talking with you all every Monday. Of course, check out the YouTube page. Check out me on social media, stationed underscore story on Twitter and Instagram and rate the podcast. If you have not left a review or rated the podcast, y'all, you know what to do. Give it all the stars, all of the stars. And I will be back with you next Monday. Station with stories. It's your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. Bye, peeps.